0: As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, Fake Doctor's Orders. Sportsnet 590, The Fan On Demand.
1: Mark Bafo Sam McKee with you here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The calm before the storm, gentlemen. It's supposed to snow quite a bit today here in the greater Toronto area. Didn't snow yet, or it hasn't snowed yet here, anyways. Maybe people listening in can let us know if it's already falling elsewhere. But, well, it it's,
2: fell in Newfoundland, that's for
1: sure. That is for sure. The yeah, Newfoundland if was anyone's listening, mess.
2: snowed in out there, be safe. Because I saw some pictures, and there was literally like a picture of a street that just didn't exist, just yeah. full of snow. Did
1: so. you see that video of that uh, that meteorologist that was standing outside in, yes, in the snow, and then he like paused for a second. He's like, "Oh, I'm falling over!" And the wind blew him over a yeah, snowbank. I, I, I was like, it. "Oh, that's that's so embarrassing." Quick, and that's terrible. quick
2: aside: that song that he just played there with the, What's that called "Chelsea Dagger." Yeah, yeah. You know who hates that song? Roberto Luongo. <laughs> Time. Yeah. How many times do you hear That's that song? Handsome. How He hears that song, he gets PTSD every time.
1: <laughs> yeah, not not a great tune for Roberto Longo. That's definitely not on his playlist <laughs> uh, moving forward. But yes, uh, it is supposed to snow later today here in the uh, GTA. So please, uh, if you're out there today, take... Caution, you're heading down to the Leafs game tonight at Scotiabank Arena. Please take care. And of course, Winterfest coming up uh today this morning. It's actually going on right now over at uh, Rogers Centre as the Blue Jays will unveil some new jerseys. We're uh waiting to find out what they look like. The announcement is expected around uh 10:30, so uh stay tuned here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and uh, we'll let you know. On the radio, what these babies look like to the uh, best of our abilities. But we'll talk about the Blue Jays later this hour. We'll talk about the Houston Astros, of course, the uh, sign-stealing scandal that has uh, taken over Major League Baseball. We'll chat about the Raptors, who were victorious last night, back in action this evening, taking on the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves as uh, they had to fly through some uh, pretty nasty weather to get there. We'll uh, have that game tonight on Sportsnet 1.0. At 8 o'clock, and we'll uh, chat some NFL as well as it is championship weekend with the uh, two games going tomorrow. But the Maple Leafs back at it tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, a tough. Game the other night for the Maple Leafs where they picked up a point, which was great. But, man, uh, David Riddick standing on his head there most of that game, especially in the third period, making some big saves in overtime as well. It felt like the Maple Leafs should have gotten two points there. But sometimes, hey, the goalie just uh, steals it from you. I think the one thing that has really stood out to me of late, and it's because he is producing, but he just looks more engaged all over the ice. It has been the play of Austin Matthews, and, and there's been a lot of people saying, you know, who's your MVP at the midway point of the season? Some people still voting for Frederick Anderson because of his importance for the team, but he has really slipped off of late. And really, when you look at his numbers, only December was the best month Freddie's had. The rest of the months, he's been just kind of meh, just kind of average. Uh, but Austin Matthews has just had an incredible season so far, and we talked about it on last week's show. I'm not sure how you can't pick Austin Matthews as your you know midseason MVP for this Maple Leafs team going to the All-Star game. but I'd He's just been super impressed with the way that he has played over the last little while since Sheldon Keefe has taken over as head coach. Just he looks like the guy that I think a lot of people were expecting when he was drafted first overall. He's going to give you that offensive firepower, but he's also given it to you on the defensive end now as well, which is something I think a lot of people were wondering, is that ever going to come? And it looks like it has come under Sheldon Keefe.
2: Yeah, just to go back to that game against Calgary, I thought it was the probably the best game. they've, Maybe one of the best games they've actually played all around under Keefe. Like, obviously, they've scored four or five goals every game, it seems like. But I thought they had the ability to score four or five goals in that game. And like you said, David Riddick was unbelievable. That's the, one of the best goaltending... Since I've been going down to the games, that's probably the best goaltending performance that I've seen. But, I mean, go back to Matthews. That pass on the two-on-one, or even the three-on-one, uh, where Andreas Janssen, who had a great game, yeah. put it right on his tape. And he was writing home to Mama about that one. Like, that was <laughs> in the net. And David Riddick comes out with a huge blogger. He is obviously incredible offensively, like you said. Probably, I don't think there's really any debate about being the uh, the MVP for the Leafs halfway through. But his defensive work with Mitch Marner, that lines, when they first got together, I was concerned about sort of what they were going to be like in their own zone. But I think they've really not only meshed offensively together, I think they've really meshed defensively and they've been really responsible in their own zone probably for the last four or five games that I've been really impressed with. And like you said, that's what it takes to be an MVP type candidate is to sort of, Round out your entire game, and Austin Matthews certainly done that. And I mean, like, I, I saw some of that. That uh, Calgary is the only team he hasn't scored against. Yeah, and he had that puck in the net basically until Reddick came over. And what? a – I mean, that guy played up, put on the best performance I've seen in a long time. So no, I think Matthews is the MVP of the least halfway through. And I mean, I'm just every night, you never know what you're going to get with him. He's just been a joy to watch.
3: Yeah, but no, like you guys said, uh, he was Big Save Dave that that last Great game. Nickname. It was, you know, he. <laughs> He stole the game for the Flames. And you know what, Sammy? Like, you're mentioning Matthews and Marner playing together. And I don't think you're the only person to kind of have that reservation of, you know, maybe stacking that top line with both your stars. But it's almost as if they were kind of like, you know what? Like, if we're going to be playing together, we should prove some people wrong and and play, you know, both sides of the puck here. And, you know, to their credit, they've they've looked really good.
2: Yeah, they do. You can tell that they're very good buddies. And you can tell that they probably... The entire time Mike Babcock was head coach was probably like, come on, please, let's just give us – because they would get a little taste here and there, right? Yeah. There was a stretch where Marner, like, never had an assist on a Matthews even-strength goal. Like, there was a really long – like, it's kind of ridiculous in retrospect now that you think about it. But now that they've kind of gotten together, friends off the ice, obviously looking for each other on the ice. And now, like you said, they're kind of proving to people that they are a viable pairing in the NHL together, not only offensively, which is – Obvious, but defensively.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at Sheldon Keith and, and his coaching style, uh, it's very evident that he likes experimenting. Yeah. It's very evident that he's willing to live with mistakes. Like – uh, outside of, you know, Willie Nylander getting benched, uh, you know, a few games back with uh, Kasperi Kapanen, you know, he really hasn't been uh, too hard on these guys. If, you know, the puck ends up in their net, something bad happens. But it felt like under Mike Babcock, you know, the times where Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews were together, if he didn't see something he didn't like or it didn't work for like a period or a game or two, it was like, no, nah, we're, we're going back. Yeah. Like, we can't afford to keep running this out there, um, whereas Sheldon Keefe has allowed these guys to flourish. And I think what has helped as well is that when they were first put together with Zach Hyman, they were just world beaters. Like, they were just... That Carolina game, right? That's the one that everybody remembers. Craziest occupant game I've ever been at. When that line just took over, um, that was very evidence. like, okay, yeah, these guys should probably play uh, play together. What I think has also helped is that the other lines have looked really good. I mean, Willie William and John Tavares, the chemistry those guys have. You've put Alex Kerfoot on that line. You had Pierre Engvall on that line the other day. That's really, you know, worked out. The third line's, you know, slotted in pretty good right now with Kapanen, uh, Kerfoot there, and Andreas Janssen. But I think what also stood out to me the other night was, you know, I know it's an overtime game but the amount of ice time that was doled out to the stars on this team in a random January game against the Calgary Flames, you had uh, John Tavares leading the way with 26 minutes. I think it was the second most minutes he's ever played in yeah, a regular but season game. There's an
2: asterisk on that because he got stuck. In OT for like a solid two and a half. That's true. So
1: it's still really high. It
2: would be around 24, but but he was stuck out there.
1: Austin Matthews at 24. You had William Nielander at 23. Marner was 25, but he was stuck on the ice for a bit too. Uh, But the fact that Sheldon Keefe was willing to ride those guys uh, in this game against the Calgary Flames, I mean, that's what. These players, I imagine, have been waiting for for many years under Mike Babcock to, like, at some point, just let us go. Let us play. Let's try to win some games. Like, you know, I'm sure they loved Patrick Marlowe, but I'm sure it was hard to watch Patrick Marlowe at times, uh, especially the playoffs last year when they're seeing him out there and just really not doing much. So it, it's like, you know, we've all played sports, right? We, we love Johnny on our team, but... When Johnny's out there, an important moment. We know Johnny shouldn't be out there. We're kind of like, why is Johnny do, out there? So do you think that's too much
2: time though? Like for like you said, it's a random January game. Like, does John Devaris really need to be playing 26 minutes in a hockey game? Like, I think there was a a happy medium to be found. And I'm not right. saying like, guess what? I love it when Austin Matthews comes over the boards. Like, that's what you want. You want him out there. But I like those totals maybe in a playoff game. here. But like, yeah.
1: but I think I think you look a random
2: at it- night against calgary it may be a little bit too much so there may be a happy medium in between babs playing them like what 17
1: yeah and maybe playing 25 well, of course you're not going to play these guys you know the, this amount of minutes every single night but i think in a vacuum mark when you look at a single game where you're like it's a one-one game we have a chance here to win it at home Let's go for it. Like I, I think that's what you do, as opposed to like thinking, no, we're at 22 minutes. It's a one-one game. I'm pulling the reins back. Fourth line's going out there more often, uh, and we'll just play you know play it as it lies. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with the ice time.
3: I agree. Like you can't be playing playing your your guys 25, 26 minutes every night. This isn't uh, McDavid dry sidle territory. But yeah, like I'm okay with I'm okay with ramping up the ice time in in a game like the one against Calgary. It, 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 like you said, they're. They're tied one-one. They're ch- they're. It's not like they were chasing the game. I thought they played pretty well, and they ran into a hot goalie. So you know, to beat a hot goalie, you're going to need your best players to. You know, maybe you know it's going to be talent versus talent. Your top guy versus my top guy. So if if Riddich is is on fire, like. It's going to probably be a John Tavares or an Austin Matthews or or somebody of that ilk, that skill level that's going to come through with the goal. And, you know, when they tied up the game, you saw it was Willie Nylander, one of their top paid guys uh, that, that was able to get the equalizer there. So, you know what? Like, yeah, I don't think you should be getting into the habit of, of running your top guys into the ground, but if if the night calls for it and the the way the game's going calls for it then yeah i've got no problem like you can't have it both ways like i i guess what is the way i'm thinking you can't really criticize Babcock for not playing him not enough and then you can't really criticize Keith for playing him too much i i agree sammy that there should be a happy medium but for one game even though it is kind of a random weekday game i'm okay trying to trying to get the two points and put your horses out there
2: i just think it's funny every after every game keith is like oh well i mean Matthews is really going. I had to keep putting him up. It's like, it's Austin Matthews. (laughs) He's really going every night. So (laughs) I I think it's, I mean, like I said, I'm not upset with Austin Matthews coming over the boards for 25 minutes a night. Like as a a sports fan, you want to see the best guys in the game at all times. But I just think like, God, that's a lot of ice time for, like you said, a random January game against the Flames, against the out-of-conference team. So I think this is going to be the trend. I think Austin Matthews is young. I think Austin Matthews can handle it. I think these guys can handle it. They're professional athletes, but I would just be a little wary of how much they're playing.
1: Yeah, and I think it also helps. You know, uh, this is not a shot at either of these guys, but it helps. I think that you look at uh, at Austin Matthews, look at a William Nealander, Mitch Martin. They don't really play a big physical game. So no, it's true. not a tough twenty-four minutes yeah, they're not where like, they're, they're not running banging bodies. They're not banging bodies. No. They're out there skating hard. Um, they're out there trying to make plays. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of minutes over a long term. We, we've seen it with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl that uh, those guys are out there for a lot. Well, they need um, those but, guys. But that's, that that exactly. team needs those guys What's to be the out there that much. What's the record
2: in games that they don't get a point? Like, haven't they it's had, like, great. a 29-game losing streak or something? They're <laughs> terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is pretty uh, wild. And the Maple Leafs, that game uh, last week against the Oilers a couple weeks ago, I mean, there was a point where, like, neither of those guys had a goal, and the Leafs were looking good. And then, yep. obviously, uh, the Oilers pulled away when McDavid just went, hey, in that third period and had that crazy goal on Morgan Riley. So William Nylander, as we mentioned, has a great chemistry right now with uh, John Tavares and on pace right now for 72 points. He's on pace for 36 goals. He's on an unreal tear of late when it comes to goal scoring with uh, John Tavares on that line. Uh, everybody's been talking recently, you know, showing heat maps and just when you watch the game and you see where he's scoring from, this is not perimeter Willie. This is a guy that's scoring in the dirty areas, getting to the net. You shake your head at me no, looking I mean, at that, but it's just factual, right? People say this guy never goes to the net, never goes to the middle. Like, yeah, off the rush, maybe he's not going there, but people make it seem like he's never down low trying to bang bodies. Like he's, the, the, that game, he held off Noah Hannafin to score that tip-in goal uh, where I think most people would be like, oh, like if you got a stick lift or something, like, ah, oh, typical Willie, like not willing to get physical, but he held off a guy who scored. Like, I, I think... This year, he is really opening a lot of people's eyes, the boomer's eyes, oh, into in yeah. how he plays his game. And I think, you know, a lot of it is because he's actually producing points. I mean, he did a lot of things last year that went well, uh, but just not on the score sheet. But everything seems to be coming together this year for William Nylander.
2: Yeah, like, I, I probably, I mean, I'm not like a huge personality, but people probably know what my thoughts are on William Nylander. I love the contract when it was signed. I despised last year. Last year was a tough, tough watch. And I thought... Like you like you said, there were some things he did well, but there was a lot of nights where you ask yourself, "Is number twenty nine? Yes, twenty nine last year. Is number twenty nine playing?" But I mean, this year, like you said, he scores from the home plate area. But I mean, a lot of guys score from the slot. Like that's kind of where you want to go to score. But he, you said he goes to dirty areas. He, like you said, he's never done it off the rush. And I think that's one thing where guys, where you said the boomers, the boomers don't like when a guy turns his back when he shies away from contact. His style of game is a very polarizing one. Okay,
1: well, I'll stop you right there. Let's talk about this. Let me, this. Have, it. Okay, so Let me this, have it. So let's go back a couple of weeks ago. That game, um, who was it against? Um, it was the New Jersey Devils game, right? In overtime. Oh, what a beautiful goal! What does Willie Nylander do? He drives the net, loses the puck, and then Severson ends up putting in his own net. I'm sure a lot of people are like... How could you, like, do a stupid move like that? And it's like, well, you want the guy to drive to the net. You can't have it both ways. If he drives to the net and loses it, there's the potential of that happening. But you can't say that he didn't try to take it to the net. That's just one example. But I'm just trying to give you something where people are like, oh, well, you take it to the net and you get bumped off and you lose it. Well, it's like, well, that's why. Because he knows, like, he's not strong enough. He's not physical enough to do those types of things. He's not Gabriel Landeskog. So he's holding on to the puck. He's trying to keep possession. He's trying to make plays. So, like... Not everybody on this team is going to be able to drop. Mitch Marner doesn't take it to the net. Uh, no like, no one know, on the team really does. Right? Outside of John Tavares, Austin McKayev. He's right? Like, yeah. there's just, that's just not how these guys play. That's just not their game. But uh, yeah, finish, finish your point.
3: Well, uh, I just wanted to ask you guys if you had to guess, where would you think William Nylander ranks?
1: Uh, I know this. With, I can uh,
3: With I can't. net front area goals. I saw the tweet. I don't remember the exact number. He's tied for first. So he has seven. He has uh, 21 goals on the year, and 17 of them have come in the net front area. So, like, you can't bl- you can't blame a guy for trying. And it looks like he's added that that element to his game. Where you know, we always talked about the zone entry last year, where it's like even though he was struggling, it's like there's no one.
2: There's not many guys better.
3: Exactly, and it's just like so he can be perimeter, and you can see him game the zone and and set guys up, but. I think you've got to be very, you know, maybe not pleasantly surprised, maybe not surprised is the, is, the, is the word, but, like, he's made improvements in that area of his game. And, you know, if you're going to rip the guy for having a bad year last year, I think you've got to praise him a little bit when you're seeing improvements in other areas of his game. I would love to see that stat since he's been on the line with John Tavares.
2: Because, historically, John Tavares has elevated not great players to pretty great lengths. So when you have a guy who's legitimately an excellent NHL hockey player in William Nylander, when you put him with a guy like John Tavares, I mean, I guarantee a lot of those goals have come off of like John, John Tavares is a very, 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 very good hockey player. And the way the, the sort of just the work ethic in the offensive zone sort of earns a ton of bounces for his line mates. And I think, I don't think he's like a necessarily like a playmaker or whatever, But he's more of just like, like I said, he works so hard and he earns a ton of bounces and his linemates really feast off that. And when you have a guy like William Nylander, who's really good at putting the puck in the net and kind of good at digging pucks out himself, who's really good with his stick, I think that's a really good combo. And you said the chemistry they have. I mean, you have two legit pairings now when you have Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander. Those are two borderline. Well, the Marner Matthews is elite. And then you go down and it's like Nylander and Tavares is pretty close to elite.
1: Yeah. So well, you just think about how many teams would love that as their first
2: line. Yes. Player, right. Many, many yeah. teams. So no, I like like I said last year, I hated what William Nylander did. This year, I've been. I mean, that contract is a steal now, right? Like at uh, seven million bucks a year for the production you're getting out of him. He's been great this year, and I think a lot of it has to do with playing with with John Tavares. But that's okay. John yeah. Tavares is on your team, and you have a good good to great winger playing with John Tavares. He's going to be elevated even higher than he already is.
1: Well, apologies to the person that uh, either wrote this or tweeted this the other day. I think they quoted John Tavares, and, and they, you know, asked him, you know, what did you say to William Nylander when you guys first were put, put together? And yeah. I think he said, just go to the Nets. Yeah. I think that's what he apparently told William Nylander. So uh, we have seen a lot of that, and, and Mark, you mentioned there uh, in that uh, that tweet uh, about where William Nylander's been scoring the majority of these goals. And, yeah, that, that contract has obviously looked very good, and it uh, doesn't seem like we're talking about trading William Nelander anymore. Well, that was always done. It was always dumb, but I especially mean, now. But especially I now. But especially hey, now. I shouldn't yeah. say
2: it's always dumb. If they could have got Alex Petrangelo, if that was if is reporting, which I am not here to doubt, I'm sure it was true, they could have gotten Alex Petrangelo for William Nylander before the contract sign, I still would have done that trade ten times out of ten. Yeah.
1: But other than that other than that,
2: I would I like I think trading him is I would have always a dumb idea, especially at that contract.
1: Look, I, I like Alex Petrangelo as a player. I think what gets lost in in the discussion, just a quick aside about Alex Petrangelo, is people think like he's some great shutdown guy. No, he's, he's an, an offensive very, guy. He's an offensive yeah, oh yeah, guy. For sure. So, like the idea that oh, he plays on the St. Louis Blues yeah. and they're winning a cup, and he's a guy that's going to be like a, a Norris Trophy discussion, and he's shutting—no, he, he's not shutting guys down. Like he's an offensive guy. Uh, he's Here's not. There's a question. We don't need to go down this for a moment, right?
2: But are the Leafs better, the same, or worse with Alex Petrangelo this year, other than William Nylander? Let's just say that.
3: Well, I can tell you one thing: the Blues are happy they didn't make that trade. It ended yeah. up pretty,
1: yeah, pretty good out for them. Yeah. Yeah, it turned out very well. He lifted the
2: the ceiling Cup. Yeah,
1: he looked pretty good doing it, that's for sure. Good old uh, Toronto kid. Uh, But yeah, Willie Nylander having a fantastic season and uh, definitely worth the dough right now. When it comes to trade talks, though, all the conversation right now surrounding one, Alexander Georgiev from the uh, New York Rangers. That's been one name that has been uh, thrown out there quite a bit. The Maple Leafs, of course, you would think, looking to shore up the backup goalie position, even though uh, Michael Hutchinson has played a little bit better of late. And uh, there was some chatter recently on on Twitter with the insiders, if you will, that, you know, maybe Kasperi Kapanen could be someone that's thrown out there. And that was kind of shot down. And I think a lot of people, uh, Leafs fans and others thought, you can't get a backup goalie, albeit a decent one, for Kasperi Kapanen, who has the potential maybe to be a guy that can play in your top six. We know he can play at the very least in in your top nine. Georgiev an RFA at the end of this year. He's just twenty three years old. Um, he's had a fantastic season considering where he is playing with the Rangers, who are not a very good um, defensive team. But uh, seeing some other reports as well that the Maple Leafs unlikely to move someone off their you know actual NHL roster to to get a piece, which I think is probably the best way to go about it to not. Uh, give something up like that to get a backup goalie. But how desperate do you think the, the Maple Leafs should be to try to you know, get someone better than Michael Hutchinson? Do I think Kasperi Kapanen is the guy to do it? Probably not. I like what I've seen of late with him on that third line. I'm looking more at picks. I'm looking more at Jeremy Braccos and, and guys like that to potentially get it done. If it's not Alexander Georgiev, maybe it's someone else, but there's no chance right now um, with some of the injuries that this team has faced um, that I'm giving up someone that's playing in my top nine right now. I don't think that's, that's worth it. I, I mean,
2: I completely agree with that. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot to be said. I think that would be kind of a, a wild move to be honest, to trade a guy that, I mean, if you're talking like a Jeremy Bracco type or somebody on the Marlies, like i I'm not even sure, but a guy that's like contributing. I mean, say what you will about Kasperi Captain. I would, like you said, he's been better lately. He Hasn't well, had the let, best look, year.
1: Jeremy Bracco or Kasperi Captain, who would you rather have right now? Oh, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty easy to yeah. tell you that. So, so he's he's blocked. essentially. Yes.
2: So I mean, a guy like I mean, but guess what? Guess what's not going to get it done? Jeremy Bracco for Alexander Gorgia. That's yeah. a moot point. That's not going to happen. So, and the Leafs don't. I mean, you wouldn't be trading a first round pick for a backup goalie anyway. But the Leafs don't have any first round pick capital. They've lost. Don't they have the next two are gone? Right
1: because uh, uh, Muzzin
2: and Patrick Marleau, so... Right. I mean, I don't think... I mean, am I the only one who thinks this isn't as desperate a situation as everybody else? Like, is it really that desperate? Like, well, you're worries- sure you're going to trade Kasperi Kaplan for a guy who's going to play
1: eight games down the stretch? Well, I think the intriguing thing about Georgiev, uh, and I don't know where you land on this, Mark, is that he's 23 years old, and if he right. is actually this guy that we've seen this year and has that type of ability... You could be ten- potentially be making a trade for your future starting goaltender um, when Frederick Ooh, brain here. when when uh, when it, uh, Frederick Anderson's done. Because I'm under the impression uh, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think Frederick Anderson's coming back after his contract is up after next season. I think he's gonna. Outprice himself. I'm not willing to put that much money into a guy that's going to be over 30. Uh, I'm rather be looking at someone like an Alexander Georgiev. I mean, that's how the Maple Leafs got Freddie Anderson. They traded for him when he was backup. They had John Gibson there in Anaheim. They found a guy that you know they thought could, that could be a starter, and they have found a guy that's been a top 10 goaltender the last couple of years. So I'm not saying Alexander Georgiev is going to be a top 10 goaltender in a couple of years, but I can see the rationale if that's your thinking that you're maybe trading for the future starting goaltender of the Toronto Maple Leafs.
3: Yeah, you know that's an interesting point, and I. I can kind of subscribe to that, but to be honest with you, like I haven't seen too many Gorgiev games this year, so it would really be in the, you know, the you're really trying to bank on what your scouts are telling you, and if you really think this guy could be an heir apparent to to Freddie Anderson, if that's what you think internally, then yeah, then you know what? Then I don't really have as much of a problem giving up somebody off your roster, but in the short term, in a vacuum, like, I agree with you guys. Like, what happened to the, like, I'm looking at some some old trades here. It's like they got Tom Barrasso for a fourth-round pick. Like, you can't get, like, a, those you know, styrofoam pads, you know, <laughs> just, just like a solid veteran. Like, to me, that's why the asking price or the rumored asking price is what it is because he is 23, and he does have some upside, like you said, Rob. But, like, I'm kind of of the opinion that maybe don't get too far ahead of yourselves. Like... Like you said, he's an RFA in the off season. If he's a guy that you want to, you know, pursue, you can do it then. And for right now, I'm thinking like, if you're gonna trade a Kapanen or a Janssen or somebody like that, to me, it's like do it, make it part of a package for an impact guy, not yeah, just a like backup a, player, like a, defenseman, a backup goalie,
2: a defenseman. Yeah, That's, if you're like I. A guy who's going to play every night as opposed to a guy who's going to play every fifth night.
1: Well, that's the thing. I think right now, you know, the blue line is definitely the, the bigger need with this team as opposed to the backup goalie, and that's the way I felt uh, before as well, even when Michael Hutchinson was going through his struggles. Maple Leafs back at it tonight, home to the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll have it here on Sportsnet 590, the fan beginning at 7 o'clock. Of course, you can watch it on Hockey Night in Canada. When we come back, we'll talk some Blue Jays. They are set to announce uh, something about their jerseys. This morning, over at Winterfest at Rogers Center, we'll uh, give you the heads up on that next. It is the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Mark Baffo, Sam McKee here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Subscribe to the
0: Good Show Podcast with your favorite podcatcher, Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Been a long time, huh? wishing to left you left. Me. Without a dope beat, that to me what would you say to have your way would you give up or try again if i hesitate to you know you be yourself? or play your tell all the i keep
2: it sportsnet hot
1: stove sportsnet radio, radio network rob wong sam mckee mark boffa with you andrew holland is our technical director this is one of the all-time bangers of hip-hop aliyah from the romeo must die soundtrack dmx jet lee what a great action movie that was mark Just like... I, it wasn't for like a while there. It was like DMX making movies. Romeo must die. And then he made like another action movie. Exit wounds. Exit wounds. Exit
2: wounds. Wow. I haven't heard that in yeah.
1: a long time. Man. this is a banger. It's an absolute bang. Yeah. The Capital beat, B. The beat to this song is just an all time. You don't even need the lyrics. If you just play the instrumental, it is uh, so, so good. Uh, you can always text us five ninety five ninety. Give us your name and your location. Give us your thoughts on the program. We were uh, talking about the snowstorm that's on its way earlier. Luke from Wellington, Prince Edward. I, uh, prince edward prince edward county says uh, all clear here no snow yet so oh. no need to go get the canned foods wow. and get the uh, the blankets Thanks for the
2: update there is that a so. hell to saying on the text line
1: i guess we got our own uh, amateur meteorologist out there uh, checking the dew point checking the barometric pressure stepping outside on the porch to get the paper do people still do that Do people still go on the porch and get the paper is that a thing I mean, I, I think if you have a porch, you might as well yeah. put it to good use well, and, if you live and in go R- out R- and get the paper. I guess if you live in rural Ontario, that's probably still how you're yeah. getting your newspapers. Sometimes still news. comes to
2: my parents' house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. Also, shout out to Prince Edward County. Just a lovely area. It definitely is a very lovely area. And we appreciate uh, Luke listening to us here on the Sportsnet hot stove this morning. Still to come, we'll talk about the Houston Astros and everything surrounding them right now in the sign-stealing scandal that has cost uh, a few people some jobs. It has cost some players, maybe their reputations as well. We'll chat about the Raptors who are back at it tonight as they uh, take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns we will have that game on Sportsnet 1 as uh, the Raptors were victorious last night easily against the Washington Wizards, the Blue Jays, holding Winter Fest down at Rogers Centre this morning, they are set to unveil a, a new jersey, new blue is the hashtag. We don't know if that means they're going powder blue and old so, school, if they're going new school and maybe there was like an electric blue, that's a potential as well. So very intriguing options for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. That announcement expected at around 11 a.m. this morning, so uh, we'll, our, get, we'll get it to
2: you. Our intrepid producer, J.R. Manitad, uh buzzed in here and said Anytime between 11 and 11.45. Oh, okay. So, there you go. Uh, Stay tuned. Keep it, yeah. <laughs> you got to wait. You got to listen to an entire show to hear what the jerseys sound like. So.
1: Well, the Blue Jays have had a very interesting history uh, with their their jerseys. Of course, they had the the OG ones, which I thought were great. The World Series ones are, are some of my favorites. Yeah. The current ones they have beautiful. after doing that rebranding, beautiful, beautiful. you know, six years ago, I thought was fantastic. They went through you know that weird muscle T bird thing in like the mid to late '90s Love those when you know Jose Canseco was smashing bombs oh, for yeah. the the Blue Jays in that Roger one season. Clemens mowing Roger Clemens down. mowing people down under steroids, and uh, of course the Black Jays era um which i i think at the time i thought it was really cool because i liked the logo can that i tell the Blue jays you jays had i love i had the black T. yeah hat great hat one of my favorite hats
2: ever i wore that thing until it legitimately fell off my head so i love that hat their jerseys nah, looking back not great i like i said i uh, told a few people around here i had a unel escobar black jersey so
1: Tells you all you need to know. Well, going about my to, jersey buying, well, uh... I think that's what's unfortunate when you you know watch highlights of Roy Halladay pitching in those eras. It's like him wearing all these black jerseys, and like ah, it doesn't look great. Wish Roy was wearing something better. Uh, there are pictures of him, of course, wearing the powder blues, yeah. the road grays. I think were the best ones during that era, of course, uh, of the uh, Toronto Black Jays era. Uh, but right now, the jerseys are fire, and uh, we'll see what the Blue Jays unveil today. I think a lot of people are excited. Uh, always nice to get some new merch. You know? What, what are you hoping for? That. You know what? I'm 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 fine either way because I actually have a powder blue yeah. jersey. Uh, d- don't have the pants though. I've never uh, considered <laughs> buying the whole uni, uh, but I would be interested as well. Like the hashtag new blue would suggest that it's like an electric blue. As I think it was the Toronto Star put out a picture of like the potential options, and it's sort of like a, a darker. I've seen know, some blue, awesome right? mock-ups
2: on Twitter, and I wish I could give people credit, but I saw the one where Vladdy was wearing it, and it looked like the current jay's jersey but like, just powder blue just powder blue with all the same accents and whatnot And i think that would be perfect that's what i would love because i think they're the design and the lettering and how they have the sort of the, the numbering the way it is i think it would be perfect with just an all powder blue sort of version of that but the pants don't need to be powder blue <laughs> just give me powder blue top white pants but see that's what's always weird to me
1: when the top doesn't match the no, pants. i love the white pant hard color Look. Yeah, you like yeah, that. I, love that uh, I I need it all to be uniform. I need it all to be bah. the same color. Bah. Like that's just the OCD in me, I guess. Yeah. I can't I can't handle the uh, the contrast in colors.
3: Yeah, like I'm kind of expecting maybe the powder blue color, but just a little bit of a update on the jersey, like some buttons on the jersey this time around, so just the the I old agree. pullover of the of the powder blues. I don't know, but you know what? It looks like Jays fans are excited. Tons of lineups outside to get into Winterfest, according to Hazel May. So, um, a lot of a lot
1: of people lining up to see what these new jerseys are all about. Yeah, and it looks like that's the reason why the announcement is getting pushed back, according to Hazel. Um, that uh, they're trying to get as many fans inside Rogers that's Center good. as possible to see it. So, Talk about uh, adapting. Yeah, so I think that's that's very smart of the team. Um, but uh, we'll have that announcement coming up later. Uh, we won't have it live on the radio, but we're we'll able to. It uh, not be a great get, radio. <laughs> get it out there and, and let you know um, what these new jerseys do look like when they are announced at Blue Jays. Winterfest. We'll uh, step aside here, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about the Blue Jays' upcoming season. Doesn't seem like they're done completely yet when it comes to reshaping the roster, but they have done quite a bit so far this off season especially when it comes to the pitching staff. We'll uh, talk some Blue Jays baseball in the middle of winter. Spring training is right around the corner next here on the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Mark Boffo, Sam McKee on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Missed an episode of Hockey Central? Listen to every episode and subscribe with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand.
1: Radio Network, Rob Wong, Sam McKee, Mark Boffo with you. Hit us up on the text line, 59590. Give us your name and your location. What are you hoping for when it comes to the uh, new Blue Jays jerseys? Are you expecting the powder blue? Are you expecting something new? Give us a shout, 59590 on the text line. Just give us your name and your location. Getting another text about the weather from Colin in Burlington says, it's blizzarding hard in Burlington. Pray for me, boys. Pray So uh, yeah, if you're out, I'll say. I'll uh, I'll say. There, a, I'll say uh, old Hail Mary for what was his name? Uh, Colin. Calling Colin in Burlington. Colin in Burlington. Yeah.
2: Please be safe out there, Colin. Yeah. I'm thinking of you, buddy boy.
1: It's supposed to get pretty nasty today. Like. Great day to sit. Well, great day to sit in the couch. Yeah. Well, any afternoon of stuff going hockey. On. Uh, I think there is some afternoon hockey. You got Leafs tonight. You have got Raptors, and of oh, course yeah. you got UFC. Oh, yeah. The return of Conor McGregor tonight. So just Washington stay on the couch.
2: Islanders play. T- Washington and the Islanders play at one o'clock. Oh, 1:00 Barry
1: today. Trotz revenge. And game. then you go into St.
2: Louis, Calgary at uh, no, sorry, St. Louis, Colorado at three. Arizona, Edmonton at three, there's a lots of great afternoon hockey. Just sit on the couch. Yeah. Look out the, there's nothing better than sitting on the couch and looking out the window at a big storm. I love that.
1: <laughs> and watching poor people out there just like have to trudge Sh- through the snow. Around, yeah. yeah, it's not great. And if you see somebody who needs some help today. Of course. Their car's
2: stuck or they're, you know, or um, going to need some shovel. You see somebody, you know what? You're not in that big a rush. Just help somebody out. Yeah. Help, help out your fellow human being.
3: That's it You gotta do what Brad Pitt said At the Golden Globes If you have a chance To be kind to somebody Take it I think, okay. we, I think we need it
2: You know what That's a great line And god damn Brad Pitt How are you still <laughs> Such a weapon Like I, was, I saw him up there I was like This is unfair This guy's been The hunkiest
1: dude on earth For how many years straight It's like insane. Yeah. Like come on And good for him Because he's still like In shape Whereas yes. like Leo DiCaprio was He like, looks like hell He's been a hunk forever But yeah. he's like Just embracing the dad bod Have you seen Bob. Johnny Depp recently the way in there No and He's like, terrible It's like come on Look, we all can't be Paul Rudd and Brad Pitt, right? Like, Ugh. those guys just never well, aged it there. Out there. Yeah. Yeah, just aging in reverse. It's but, looking uh, treacherous out there now. Yeah, as we uh, look outside the, our The studios, weather report. It's, it's not, snowing. Getting, not getting good uh, outside. It's looking pretty bad right now as it starts to snow here in the uh, GTA. So the Blue Jays, like I mentioned, set to unveil some new jerseys this morning at the aptly named Winterfest because it is snowing outside today. But uh, they've done a lot. When it comes to their roster this off season, specifically when it comes to the pitching staff, we know the uh, big name that was added, of course, Hyunjin Ryu. They added Tanner Rourke, Chase Anderson, in and a trade right at the start. Shun Yamaguchi, who somehow had his own personal news conference the other day, which I was kind of stunned about, but I guess... Great hairdo. Great salad, for yeah. sure, and it seems like a great personality. You he know, was joking about how he didn't want to become a sumo wrestler like yeah, that because he didn't that, want I think people to see... why
2: they wanted to have the press conference, <laughs> so people could hear that story. Yeah,
1: because he didn't want people to see his butt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just think uh, it would have been in bad taste if they shunned the oh, new acquisition.
1: Ooh, boo. boo. Wow. I think we're going to get a lot of those actually wow. this year. Wow, that is a... <laughs> but look, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, I actually loved it. That was well, great. Look, props to Ross Atkins, props to Mark Shapiro. They said at the end of the season, we want to go out and get pitching and we want to get impact pitching. And they got arguably the third or fourth best pitcher on the free agent market in Hyun Jin Ryu. Um, you know, there's been a lot of questions, of course, about his uh, durability and all that moving forward. But the Blue Jays set a goal and they said, we want to bring in some guys that can give us some innings and guys that are going to be able to pitch well, too. And they bring in a guy last year that was an ERA leader in Hyunjin Ryu had a fantastic season. They bring in a guy in Tanner Rourke who you know say what you will about his ERA. But there's something to be said about a guy that can go out there and give you 180 plus innings. You know this is something the Blue Jays have been looking for for several years now. Some durability when it comes to the rotation. Matt Shoemaker's coming back. Uh, Chase Anderson is a guy that you're hoping maybe has some upside there. And I think the biggest thing about this is that it has just slotted everybody else back into the spot that they should have been, you know, either last season or coming into the season. You don't have to worry about Ryan Baraki being your number three. You don't have to worry about Trent Thornton being your number four, you know, best case scenario for these guys they're either getting that fifth spot or beginning the season in triple a and coming up uh when needed so when it comes to the depth chart and the starting rotation it has really just pushed everybody back a slot and it's just you know taking the pressure off i think a lot of these young guys that were thrown into the fire last year
2: yeah no doubt about it i mean that was a tough there's a lot of tough moments last year pitching wise in terms i mean so this is this saying goodbye to the openers with all the starting pitching they have now
1: uh, well, I guess in situations maybe where, you know, you want to give a but guy some like innings. multiple times a week. Off? No, not multiple. Yeah, we're not going to see Wilmer Fonts opening oh, games man. two or three times a week. But. I just, I like,
2: as you guys probably know, I'm a pace of play guy, and I hate slow baseball, and the openers with like the 17 different pitchers coming in, I hated that. So I'm a little bit more of a traditional one when it comes to uh, to the pitching side of things. So it'll be nice to just see them have a couple horses at the top of the rotation. That can, I'm not as familiar with uh, Chase Anderson's work, but i really do like uh, the hinge and the Rio signing. I mean, I have my reservations, obviously, in terms of his durability. But just the fact that they are willing to go out there and they see enough. It's a statement. Their, they see enough. Yeah. They, if they didn't see enough in this roster to, like, they looked at this roster up and down. They look at the AL up and down. And they probably thought, you know what? Like, if we add this guy within, the, within his contract, which is four years, correct? Within his contract, the Jays will be contending for a playoff spot. So I think that shows you a lot of what they have in mind with this roster. I mean, you look up and down it, this lineup can compete. Like, I mean, they're definitely in the conversation for a wild card spot. I don't think that's crazy to say. Do you?
1: I think it's still going to be a little bit tough to get to that point. But I think what I feel pretty good um, saying about this team, Mark, is that They're going to be playing some meaningful games, I think, in the summer. Does that mean that it's going to be, you know, battling for a division title, battling for a wildcard spot? No, but with the two wildcard spots right now, teams are really in it until pretty much the final few weeks of the season. Right. Like we've seen at times where teams are, you know, five games out at the beginning of September. Maybe there's two or three teams in front of you, but this isn't like the NHL. There's no three point games. You beat a team. You move up in the standings, right? Like that's that's how it works. So I think what I'm looking for this year, a uh, wild card spot would be an absolute dream scenario. But if the Blue Jays are playing some meaningful games in August and maybe into early September, I think that's a, a successful year, in my opinion.
3: I'm I'm with you right there, and I I feel like that isn't impossible. I think it has a good chance of happening that they play these meaningful games uh, in the back half of the season. I don't I don't think they're quite there yet for a wild card spot either, but. You know the trajectory is looking good, like you said, Sam. Like they're in this window where it looks like they can compete uh, throughout Ryu's contract, and that's all you kind of want to see if you're a fan. Is just the the effort is there to improve the team, and I don't know these Chase, the Chase Anderson trade to me just kind of I, I hate to just simplify it because it's the Brewers and Jays again, but like it definitely has a bit of like a Marco Estrada feel to me in that like, hey, he might not be he might not be pitching in these insanely important games in the playoffs for you, you know, until the team gets better, but he kind of fell out of favor in Milwaukee. He's a guy that is better than what the Jays currently have in their rotation. And it's like, why not pick up a guy like that on the cheap? And somebody like Tanner Roark, it's like, He's, he's an innings eater, and that's essentially what we were saying about R.A. Dickey when he was with the Jays. It's like, oh, the knuckler is getting lit up right now, but he's still a guy that's going to give you like seven innings, and that's important so you don't tax the bullpen. And it's like you're getting that now at a fraction of the price that you're getting R.A. that you had R.A. Dickey at. So um, they're not incredible names uh, other than Ryu, but I do kind of like the the more under-the-radar kind of moves they've made as well, just to see if something happens. And and the wild card in this
2: is Nate Pearson as well. Of course, Because the the Jays have a real sort of ace up their sleeve that, I mean, oh, that was pretty good uh, double meaning there. (laughs) I didn't even really mean that. But, like, (laughs) he is the real deal by all accounts, right? So, if I mean, they're not bringing him up before the control thing. But once he comes up, I mean, that just adds another layer. Yeah, I'm sure they'll give him sort of the Strasburg, um, what was the guy on San Diego last year? Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock. I'm sure they'll give him that treatment where they're not going to overuse him and they're not going to put the unnecessary strain on his arm, especially if they're not competing. But, I mean, that's just, you could add, potentially adding another sort of close to sub four ERA guy into your rotation who's going to be throwing 100 with a, with the nasty off-speed stuff. I mean, that's a real, real sort of X factor for the Jays' rotation that already looks pretty solid.
1: So quickly, uh, f- let's spend a few minutes on this uh, offense. As we touched on, we're expecting it to be you know pretty decent. We know they're going to hit some bombs. Uh, you're expecting Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to continue their Progression. You're at least hoping. You're hoping for a bounce back season from Vlad. Uh, you know, it, it started off a bit slow for him. He found his legs after the All Star break, and then obviously, you know, crashed in the final month of the season. He's been working on his body, and hopefully, that that will help. They add Travis Shaw, I think, which is a, a nice signing, an under the radar guy. You're hoping for a bounce back season for him. The catching duo, as it stands right now, with Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire, I think, is strong. You know what you're going to get out of Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichik. Those guys are, you know, who they are. Um, you know, there's still some time for the Blue Jays to add. Add to this offense maybe they do look at center field as a spot uh maybe they try to add someone that has a little bit more uh, flexibility utility around the the diamond but you know it, it seems like it's pretty cemented as it stands right now with this offense is that good enough for you guys just adding travis shaw into this uh, lineup mark you know what like i wouldn't say
3: it's enough but i think travis shaw was a good signing i think the upside is there his uh you know, his splits are he, you don't want him in there maybe all the time, but I think he's a very serviceable bat. And I don't know, Rob, like, I feel like you can say whatever you want about who they bring in, but this on offense, at least, but the, the bread and butter of this team is going to be the Bichette's, the, the Vladdy's, the, your you know, the BGOs. You really want to see those guys take the next step. And I think those are going to be the guys that will be the catalyst for, for this team. And, you can add in the the secondary pieces all you want, but uh I'm really curious to see how how good Vlady looks if he's in shape this year, uh, if he can take the next step uh, and you know, Bichette, as soon as he came up, he hit the ground running, and he's going to be a mainstay all this year, so uh you know, the kids look all right, and I'm just looking to see if they can take that next step.
2: yeah, I mean, I mm, I mean the sophomore slump is a thing because it's a thing. But I'm not as concerned about it with sort of the super-duper prospects that they have with, I mean, Vlad is, I think last year, I think was a bit of an eye-opener for him. And I think this year, I'm expecting very big things from Vlad. Yeah. And I think probably every Blue Jays fan is. Bichette, I'll be interested to see, because like you said, he kind of got hurt at the end of the year. He kind of, I mean, his start was amongst the most electric in the history of the game. And then he kind of fell off because of injury or whatever. And I'm Kevin Biggio, I'm really interested to see. And Gurriel was hurt a little bit last year. I mean, they do have the core of a really good lineup here. But like you said, it's just about filling in those spots and maybe looking for a little bit more offense in the outfield.
1: All right, Blue Jays Winterfest going down at uh, Rogers Center this morning where they will unveil some new jerseys. The announcement expected to come within the next 45 minutes. We'll uh, keep you up to date on that. If you're heading down to uh, the Diamond today, heading down to the Dome, uh, take caution. Of course, the, the weather's starting to get a little bit wear bad a parka. Here, outside here. Wear a parka, wear a hat, wear gloves, uh, wear some good boots as well so uh, you don't slip and fall on your way to Rogers Center. When we come back, we'll talk about the Houston Astros and the sign stealing scandal that has cost many people their jobs and a lot of players their reputation as well. We'll get into that next here on the SportsNet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Sam McKee, Mark Boffo on the SportsNet Radio Network.
0: Missed an episode of Lead Off? Listen to every episode and subscribe with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. (laughs) Sounds
1: like Loodle. My my dog, sorry. It is Sportsnet Hot Stove, Sportsnet Radio Network. Rob Wong, Mark Boffo, and uh, Sam McKee does not realize he was on the air. That's that's what happens when you hit the mic on button. you
2: yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did. did, but oh, I kind of did. not You wanted so. to give a shout out. I wanted to give that's a why. shout out to my dog. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, would you take him outside today? Who's who's taking him for the walk? I'll take him out. Yeah. Loves the snow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll put on the boots, put on the snow pants. not yeah. bad. Are you, a like, boots on the dog kind of guy? No? no? Little no. booties? No. Oh, uh, When he comes home, I'll just wipe his paws
2: mm. with a nice warm He towel. can take
1: it. He can handle it. Yeah, he's a very
2: okay. gritty little wiener there dog. You he can handle it. Uh,
3: we, so- we just saw somebody
1: biking outside. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. Hey, you got to get somewhere. You got to get somewhere. I don't, I don't blame you. So, even if it's uh, bad walk. weather outside. Yeah, just it's walk. It's way easier to just walk. <laughs> uh, so, you can text us, 590. 590. Give us your name and your location. Give us your thoughts on the show. We are getting a lot of random text today here on the program. Now we've been talking about a lot of random things. Mike in Uxbridge says uh, you're talking about Brad Pitt and Paul Rudd. Can't forget Bradley Cooper. I know my wife can't stop reminding me about how hot he is. So uh, yeah, you can put Bradley <laughs> yeah, Cooper he's not on the list. His, he's but not in I don't, the same age. He's no. younger, isn't he? I think so. Because what Paul Rudd's like 50 something and Brad Pitt's like over 50. Bradley Cooper's like 40-something. He's getting up there, but uh, he's not in that uh, age range yet. John in Guelph says, a ton of snow in Guelph. Looked out the window, seen Jason Garrett going around neighborhood shoveling driveway for $5. So that must have <laughs> been before he signed with the Giants <laughs> as the uh, offensive coordinator. <laughs> but, Jason, uh, yeah, he was... Yeah, he's clapping after every uh, driveway that was uh, shoveled successfully. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, sneaky old. Yeah? 45. okay. Older than I thought he would have been. All right. I would have guessed like 38, 39. Yeah, all right. So he's getting up there. But, uh, yeah, you can put him on the list, of course, of uh, most handsome in Hollywood. So the Houston Astros (laughs) this uh, past week. I digress. Yeah, I digress. (laughs) This past week, of course, we uh, all saw what happened, one of the more uh, shocking scandals in uh, the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's been building, but we finally saw the punishment come down and initially it was just AJ Hinch and uh, GM Jeff Lunau getting suspended for one year the Astros losing first and second round picks this year and next year and we fined five million dollars a few hours later, though, both men were fired by uh, owner Jim Crane of the Houston Astros. Then later, of course, we saw Alex Cora mutually part ways with the Red Sox. He was the bench coach for the Astros when the sign stealing was going down. Carlos Beltran was part of that organization, too, and he steps down as uh, manager of the uh, New York Mets. So that has been the fallout so far. Since then, there's been some crazy uh, conspiracies, if you will, because nothing has been proven. Major League Baseball says they found no evidence of this, so that's why I call it a conspiracy that uh, maybe Jose Altuve was wearing a buzzer on his shirt when he hit that home run off or rolled Chapman. The video evidence showing him saying, uh, I believe in Spanish, like, don't rip the shirt, don't rip the shirt. Um, and then, of course, that uh, infamous post-game interview with Ken Rosenthal saying that he's shy, his wife is ha- unhappy when uh, he bares his chest, when he, when he uh, gets the jersey torn off. So there's just been so many many different layers to this. So many different players have been, uh, you know, giving their input on it, whether it's Blake Snell, Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, a guy, guy of of course, that's been very vocal. Uh, He's always had a beef with the Astros and maybe some of the uh, nefarious things that are going on within that organization. But on, on the whole, guys, what do you think this is doing for baseball? Because I look at it and I say, yeah it's it's awful. It's not good. It messes with the integrity of the game. Sign stealing is something that's been around forever. But it's one thing to have a guy standing at second base and trying to decipher what a catcher is calling. It's another thing to you know have the the post game video up you know, at the end of the game in between games, when you're trying to figure out like, okay, when uh, uh, Gary Sanchez puts down two fingers, what does that mean? Can we figure that out and maybe take it in the next game? But when you're doing it electronically in the middle of the game, in the middle of an at bat, that's, that's obviously crossing the line major league baseball made that very evident when they, uh, I think it was the New York Mets had the Apple watch thing that was going on. So it's definitely a black Mark on the many black marks in the game of baseball, but I have have a feeling like when the ball goes up (laughs) to use a basketball term, but when the first pitch is thrown and the games are going to be played, it's going to be a big story all next year, but like, it's just going to get swept under the rug eventually. Just like steroids is, we don't really talk about that anymore. we talk about PEDs. uh, We are talking about this now and eventually it's just kind of going to go away and we're not going to think about it. But the other part too is for me, the idea that other teams aren't doing something like this Mm. is I think, you know, Being a little naive, right? To think the Houston Astros were the only team doing it. Maybe they were the only one doing it to this extent. But to think that other teams aren't trying to use some sort of means to gain an edge. I think is being a little bit naive. So on the one hand, I go yeah, this is awful for baseball, but I'm not going to pretend like there are other teams not doing these types of things. And, you know, get they get to wash their hands clean and be like, oh, well, the Astros are the worst team ever. Like, don't look at us. Like, we're the the good guys here. We're just trying to call this stuff out. Like, I'm not willing to go that far.
2: So I watched, I went back and watched the walk-off home run to win the ALCS this year that uh, Altuve jacked off of Chapman. So I went back to watch it because I was just interested to see. I mean, I got to tell you. Looked like he knew what was coming. (laughs) Like he, that was he was like he knew it was coming, and then the whole thing changes for me because I watch his reaction. And everyone's like, "Look, it it looks like he was just like he hit a normal home run in uh, in July against the Mariners. Like he wasn't that excited." And Chapman's got that smile on his face, and you're like, "Oh, how what a despicable guy!" And he is a despicable guy. But they're like, "What a despicable guy! How could he not care?" My reaction to that is number one. Chapman knew that he knew. Like I think he knew. Like he knew like he's like how the hell did you know that I was going to throw that? He knew. Jose Altuve wasn't that excited because he knew he was cheating. And then he does don't rip off the shirt. I mean if I'm a if I'm a like kangaroo court here <laughs>
1: Guilty, well, initially, guilty, guilty, guilty. Initially, Mark, when I, I remember seeing that and when he said, uh, don't rip off my shirt, the first thing that I actually thought of was just like from a memorabilia standpoint, like he just wanted to keep the jersey. Now, like it obviously seems to have a different meaning and people are speculating on it. My only thing with that, and, and I agree with you, like when you look at the video evidence and you see it, it's hard not to connect those dots, right? Like I think it's, it's a case where like you have to prove me that that wasn't the case, but um, but It sounds like you're leaning, but that, the thing that, is, that
2: you're not that disgusted by this.
1: But I think I, I like I am disgusted. Like I said, the integrity of the game has been compromised by using the electronic sign stealing in the middle of the game. But I I just think, yeah, sorry, we need a trash can in here so we can bang it. But they evolved past the trash can, right? They were using videos and and maybe potentially buzzers. I just go, like, look, do we really want to? Like, we know we know that you know the sausage is made a certain way, and we're starting to see that now. Like, clearly, there's a lot of players that want to get this out of the game. Many players have been very vocal about it. I just think, like, the idea that there aren't teams trying to do something to this degree, like, that's that's a stretch. So that's why, initially, I was really angered about it. And then I took a step back and I go, look, not saying it's right, but, like, other teams are doing things like this, too. So when it's prevalent around the game that's just more of a systemic thing than it is, like, just to be like, oh, like, this is the worst thing ever. It's like everybody is trying to gain an advantage. So, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the Astros that got caught. Like, I'm just trying to look at it in that in that prism. I mean,
3: uh, listen, there's ga- – but there's trying to gain an advantage and there's, like you said, like, just relaying those signs and pitches in real time. Like, I, I feel like if other teams were doing this, I think that this acts as a huge deterrent now is to be, like – Listen, we got the head honchos that were doing this and had had it down to a science. And if you are doing anything to compromise the integrity of the game or doing anything similar, maybe not at that level, like what you said earlier, Rob. Like after the game, you're looking at the tape and you're picking up signs. That happens all the time. That happens all the time. So, like, I don't have a problem with it, like from a game gamesmanship standpoint. But like, this was above and beyond. And I think the biggest thing too is. The Astros are kind of, like, borderline cocky about it, too. Like, even in the... That's the thing. That's the hugest thing. is like, even in Jeff Lunau's statement where he's... Where after he got released, he's just, like, reading it verbatim here, I'm not a cheater. Anyone who worked closely with me in my 32-year-old career inside out baseball can attest to my integrity. It's, like, you're still denying... How
2: delusional are when
3: you? When everything, like... I don't know about the devices underneath the jersey. I don't know about all that stuff, but I think the trash cans and, you know, the Astros culpability at this point can't be denied. So it's like you've already been let go for this reason. I know you're trying to save some face, but it's like you compare that to A.J. Hinch in his statement where he said, I wasn't aware of what was going on, but ultimately – as the manager of somebody who has to keep these guys in line, it's my responsibility to do it, and I didn't, I didn't uh, police it very well. So I completely understand. Like to me, AJ Hinge is the only guy out of this fallout that's going to get a job in the major leagues again because he's at least taking some sort of ownership of it. Even when that dude, uh, the assistant GM in the playoffs, uh, Taubman, oh. uh, you know, was making those remarks to the female reporters. Jeff Lunow was like, "Oh, I haven't uh, spoken to the young lady. I haven't apologized yet even though she was in the room." And it's AJ Hinch who is just trying to get his team to win the World Series and has other stuff to worry about. He's the guy that's saying like, "That was terrible. That that has no that has no place in our locker room and, and I apologize." So like, yeah. he was he seems to be the the stand-up guy out, out of all of this, but yeah, I I feel like if you're a team that's you know skirting the rules a little bit, like this is your wake-up call, and if anything else comes out after this, uh, I mean, you, you should be—I think you should even be punished even further than the Astros because now you're seeing—you're just seeing what the original suspensions and punishments were like.
2: I saw a tweet that really stuck out to me um, during this whole fallout yesterday, and it's from our uh, friend Dieter Kurtenbach from uh, Bay, Bay Area News Group, I believe, and that Jose Altuve, during the 2017 playoffs, his home OPS— was 1541, 1541, and his road OPS was 497. Batting average, 472 at home, batting average, 143 on the road. I'm like, that is, if you're a Dodgers fan, like, this is, that's the thing that kills me about this, is the legs, I mean, don't get me wrong, Clayton Kershaw sucked against tons of other teams in the playoffs, other than... I
1: guess maybe the Nationals were stealing signs. Yeah, no, but, uh, but, I mean,
2: 2017 was when he was sort of at his peak, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking back to the World Series. I remember game one was in L.A. and he was dynamite. And then the next start was that insane game in Houston that was like, what was it, 15-14 like final? Where he got lit up. And you just look back at it. And Clayton Kershaw, I mean, maybe the Do- I mean the Dodgers were accused of stealing signs by, was it the Brewers? The, I think it was maybe this year. Like the last time, they played in the playoffs this year, correct? I remember something about them them. So they may not be all innocent in all this. Right. But, like, I think of a guy like Clayton Kershaw. And, I mean, 2017 obviously was his best chance to win the World Series. And now you look back on it and it's like, man, there's legacies for guys at stake. There's just – there's so many things. Like, I mean, imagine being a big-time better and being like, I had however much on the Dodgers to win the World Series and that. And then it's like – they cheated, like you'd yeah. be sick. There's well, just even, so many people. This affects. Yeah,
1: it, there are so many people. This affects. Like even from just a regular standpoint of you know guys coming up and, and pitching against the Astros in the regular season, uh, you know at Minute Maid Park, and they got lit up, and then they got sent down the next yeah, game, or exactly. you know crushed their numbers, and yeah. maybe they didn't get as much in arbitration. Sure. that's exactly forward. right. So, it, it's definitely so multi-layered, and you know the Astros. Uh, it, it is wild because we just go back a couple of years ago, and what is it? It's. Man, this is like the Cinderella story. These guys. Jose the Altuve was most beloved guy in the league. Most beloved guy from the league. Man, the Astros—they went through so many losing seasons. Look at the way they've rebuilt this franchise. They've done it this crazy, crazy way. They've set the blueprint of how to, you know, do it these days. Every team wants to lose a ton of games now. Get as many draft picks as they possibly can. You know, make some shrewd moves. Uh, use all this different technology. Heck, you know, teams are hiring people out of their front office. The Blue Jays hired Dave Hudgens, who, um, you know, we find yeah, out the other day. Well, we find was. out the other day from Yadier that, you know, it seems like uh, Major League Baseball investigated him and and there was no wrongdoing there. So uh, it Uh, seems like everything's clean there when it comes to to Dave Hudgens. But the Astros have gone from, like, a team that everybody fell in love with to now, uh, this past season, of course, uh, when it comes to baseball fans, like the most despised franchise in in all of baseball. Like, even the Evil Empire Yankees, I don't think we're ever – this despise like people were upset like they spent a lot of money and they had some players that were definitely rubbing people the wrong way uh but never to this point where you know a team clearly skirted the rules cheated and did it so arrogantly to the point um, where everybody in baseball just just can't stand these guys, and that's been bubbling the last couple of years um, with the way they run the show in the front office. I mean, uh, that that piece that came out once Brandon Taubman was was let go um, by by the Astros, like just sort of giving you an insight of what it's like to actually work inside that organization. Just a terrible workplace, obviously, in the way Jeff Luna was was running that franchise, but. It is just crazy. Like, the Astros go from being this team that everybody loves to now just everybody hates. And I don't know how they dig themselves out of that. I mean, they, they've they obviously gotten, a lot, gotten rid of a lot of the parties that were a part of the, the cheating. But you still got those
2: players. Well, you still got those players. So that- that's my next question is, like, same to you, Mark.
1: Like, can – Jose Altuve play next year? Like, is he just going to get run out there? Well, I think I saw someone mention this, and, I, I like, I don't know the extent of how much the players were investigated in this and, you know, what they talked about. But I think, you know, the Players Association is something different. I don't think Major League Baseball can go after those guys because they would have to go through the PA. But I think my, part of it might as well be, and I saw someone tweet it. I forget who it was. You sort of get immunity. Like, if you're willing to work with us on this, we're not going to touch you. If you help us find the guys that were actually um, the ones responsible for this. So
3: I just think, you know, it's, and listen, I'm, I'm talking as a normal guy here. I'm not a professional baseball player with, you know, with those contracts and whatnot, but like you've, completely lost the respect of all of your peers like you know when you're when you're looking across the dugout and you're seeing the astros i think you just have to be motivated that you want to beat these guys and and sweep every series you can against them and you know it's just it's going to be one of those things where it's like maybe you'll see a couple pitches high and inside on some astros guys and and whatever so i just think it's you hear comments by guys like Mike Clevenger and CeCe Sabathia kind of talking about this, like CeCe was on that Yankees team and he's like, man, like those were all, those were that series went the distance and the home team won every game that series. Like, and you can't tell me now that like we wouldn't have won the world series that year if we had beat the Astros in that, in that series. So like, you're right. The trickle-down effect and just how many people it affects is just insane to me.
2: Well, did you see the Alex Woods tweet about how he was like, I would much rather face a guy on steroids than a guy when he knows what pitch is coming? I agree.
3: Like, it's like yeah. I think, like,
2: there is an argument to be made, and I will make it right now. Look, on I, this very way. This is worse than steroids. Yeah, look, I'm no uh, way around
1: it. I've been all the way with it. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all of those the guys hall of famers. should be Hall of Famers. Agreed. Uh look, I understand that they used the substance to make sure they stayed on the field. You still got to perform. You still got to perform. Like Barry Bonds, maybe there were some points where like, yeah, he was tipped off from a guy at second base as we touched on before. That's fair game. That's sort of the unwritten written rule like you can do that. Uh we look down on it, but hey, that's part of the game. This electronic sign stealing is something different. But when you know the pitch is coming that gives you way more of an advantage you still, still gotta hit you it still gotta, hurt. You yeah, still gotta it. hit it but it's different when you know this exact pitch is coming as opposed to this pitch might be coming so i'll get ready for it but i still might get something else and i still have to try to hit it this is just on another level
2: i mean i gotta say i they should have won more <laughs> if you're cheating this how do you not win every year
1: maybe they, that would be too obvious baseball's so hard yeah
2: like baseball is like but like can you imagine they had a, like, they had a one multiple. Like, they've only won one World Series when they knew what pitches were coming for however many years they've been doing this for. However, they've been straight up cheating. And they've only won one. So, I guess that kind of just is a testament of yeah. how, God well, damn, it how hard like baseball is. it seems like they were is. only
1: doing it at home. So, you yeah, only get so but, many games at home. Yeah, and but, it's like, still tough. Like you said, you still have to be able to hit the and ball.
2: they got home field advantage for all these games because yeah. they won so many games during the, during the regular season. So, they have a million big important playoff games that are at home. I mean, how did the Red Sox beat them? Were they cheating too? Like, it's crazy. Well, I mean, Cora was the manager. Well, that's the thing.
1: There's been chatter about maybe the Red Sox have done something like that because Alex Cora was at the front of it and and he was their manager. So, yeah, as we touched on, there's just been so many different layers to this. And uh, it seems like there are a lot of players that are vocal about it. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. uh, That's for for sure. It's going to be a topic all season long. For
2: me, this year, Jay's Astros series got to get a ticket. I'm going to go boo my brains out. (laughs) I am going to boo. I'm going to make a cheater sign. Like I am all in on hating the Astros. And
3: and I'm really curious to see, like, not what else comes out through investigations or whatever and what other punishments there are, but I really am curious to see, like, what other players, like, speak up and talk about this. Because, like, I can't get enough of, like, the Clevenger clips and Sabathia and all these guys tweeting. Like, Cody Bellinger was pretty reserved in his tweet, but, like... The more that this becomes a story, I think the muzzle will come off and more guys will start to be open about
1: their feelings. Sure. And I'm really
3: start, I'm really curious to see what gets said in the next couple of months. Well, I'm going
1: to be interested to see how far, you know, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and guys on the Astros, the hitters specifically, are going to go to, you know, explaining what went down. Is it going to be a case of like, hey, everything's on the investigation. You can read it there. I'm not going to comment. Or is it going to be like, yeah, this is what we're doing? Because – like, in their best interest, I mean, maybe it is better to just say no comment and just, you know, lean on the investigation and say what's there. Because I can't imagine you want to be that detailed about what was going imagine on. They like they suck their, next year. Well, their reputations are so sullied as it is now yeah. because of this. Um, you know, maybe you can make the case like, well, it can't get any worse if you just tell us what was going on. And yeah. Maybe you can start the redemption, the road to redemption back by being truthful and being honest about it and just getting back to playing baseball. But I think that's what's going to be most intriguing to me when spring training comes. And Jose Altuve and all the guys in the Astros are asked about this. What they're going to say? They're
2: going to imagine they just next year they just go eighty and eighty. Like like they just are <laughs> terrible. Can you imagine that? Uh, like they're just bad. Would there be a better sports story that like? Yeah. That would be like. Chef's I mean, kiss. Just like wh- I would so I, like. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe I should. But I would love to know all their home road splits. Like guess what? Alex Bregman still a sick player. Yeah, Jose Altuve, still great. Springer, still great. But how much of but an advantage, how much an advantage is yeah. this, right? Like, I'd like to see maybe some home road splits, yeah. but,
1: like... Well, you put out the road splits. Like, I don't think Jose Altuve's career... Think, he's not a 400 no, OPS no, guy. No, no, of course like that. not. It's a small sample yeah, size. For sure. But, yeah, I, I get your point. Like, how much has it affected these guys' numbers? Yeah, for sure. Um, we know it helped them win. That's, that's for yeah. sure the ultimate prize. But when it comes to individual stats, uh, how much of a boost was that. So we uh, are expecting the Blue Jays to be making their announcement about the uh, new blue jerseys uh, over the next, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so. They said 11:20 on the main stage on their uh, Twitter account. It is now 11:25. I've got the feed up on my uh, computer here to see uh, when they do it and uh, when it happens, we'll uh, let you know as best as we can on the radio what these babies look like but coming up next we'll uh, talk about the toronto raptors who took down the washington wizards last night Marcus gasol looking like a new man coming back from injury raptors back at it tonight taking on andrew wiggins carl anthony towns and the minnesota timberwolves the uh, raptors we'll talk about them next here on the sportsnet hot stove rob wong sam mckee mark boffa with you here on the sportsnet radio network
0: subscribe to the leafs Sour podcast with your favorite podcaster, sportsnet 590 the fan on demand
1: Sportsnet Hot Stove, Sportsnet Radio Network. Rob Wong, Sam McKeith, and Mark Baffa with you. Text us five ninety five ninety. Give us your name and your location. The uh, Blue Jays right now set to announce their uh, new blue jerseys. I got the feed up right now on my computer, and uh, they're doing like a little hype video, little sizzle reel. Ooh, ooh, these jerseys—they're out. A little bit of powder blue. It looks like the Blue Jays, Jays are getting right back. Cat? So, okay, I'll try to describe them, at least what I saw. They, they haven't shown any players wearing them yet, um, but they are the throwback powder blues, in fact. Uh, the hat is like an electric blue with a powder blue brim. I've, and, I've never
2: been more jealous of you guys.
1: Uh, it's on their Twitter account right now. They're okay, uh, going, putting I'm up going, a going. Uh, Periscope feed. So the Blue Jays bringing back the powder blues from the looks of it and uh, hashtag new blue and uh, wow. I, I think it's because of the sizzle reel. It made it look really good, the promo video. Uh, but the player's going to come out here momentarily, I imagine, uh, wearing them. But uh, it looks like the powder blues are back for your uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So how do we feel about that? Because we were talking about it earlier. I said I was fine either way. I own a powder blue. I would have been fine with a new version. This looks like a, a a mashup of both. So you've got the hat. That is a, a darker royal blue. And then you've got the powder blues for the actual jerseys with the pinstripes, the old school, you know, blue, white pinstripes from the old school powder, powder, blue jerseys. So I did
3: see some, I think I saw some in the promotional video. here. Give me buttons. That's all I need. I love the
2: powder blues. If you're going to do it yeah. all blue, just you want just, a button up. Yeah. I don't, don't want the don't, pajamas.
1: <laughs> so that's, that was the issue with the powder blues before it was just like a pullover. Yeah. They the, look like jerseys. They, they, they look didn't, like pajamas. Yeah, they just look like pajamas. Whereas uh, I think. I think, look, we're going to see the players momentarily here. It is uh, difficult to describe this while we're uh, on the radios. We're watching this. (laughs) I wish we could have gone to a feed. I guess we could have talked this out before with the bosses if we would have been able to uh, stream this live. Uh, But there it is. It is the old school powder blues. There are buttons from the looks of it. Those are Boba showing off a little chest. He's got a T-shirt underneath it, uh, but they are buttoned up. So the hats, once again, uh, looks like there's two versions of them. One, it is the... uh, Darker blue cap with the uh, powder blue brim. And then they've got just the the blue regular, uh, actually, is that a helmet? I, sorry, Randall Kritchik's wearing a helmet. That's why I'm trying to look at this feed properly. But the helmet altogether is blue. But the caps in the field that they will wear are blue. And then with a uh, powder blue brim and the jerseys themselves, they are the throwback powder blues. And uh, Kritschek and Bichette both wearing high socks as well. Uh, so if those you're going to wear some high socks, Straight you're going to get some dark beautiful. blue. So. These are going to sell. Well, let's just be honest. These are going to fly off the shelves when they are, are made available. I imagine maybe even today down at the uh, Jay shop as uh, everybody's down at Winterfest. So there you go. The Blue Jays unveiling their uh, new jerseys this morning down at Rogers Center. The uh, new blue jerseys. It's the throwback powder blue with uh, a couple of minor tweaks here and there. But uh, they look absolutely sick. So uh, if you want to check them out, you can head to social media right now as uh, they are unveiling these Jersey so the uh, Raptors back at it tonight taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves fresh off an easy victory against the Washington Wizards last night and uh, the one guy that has looked very good to me since returning is Marc Gasol six of seven from three-point land last night I made the joke uh, in his first game back that he took so much time off that he came back as a 31 year old the guy looks rejuvenated the guy looks fresh he looks healthy and, you know, there was a lot of question marks coming into the season. Marcus Saul has had a long offseason with partying and the World Championships, <laughs> yeah. the World Cup, won a title, played a lot of playoff games. And he got off to a bit of slow start to begin the year. But it feels like this time off for him did a lot for his body. And uh, I think we're seeing a, a refreshed Marcus Saul which uh, can only help this Raptors team moving forward, guys.
3: Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, he like if there's one person on the Raptors that could afford to miss time and you don't want to see anybody out of the lineup with injury and you know, that's goes without saying, but like this guy played an insane amount of basketball this summer going deep into the playoffs and then playing with Spain. And it's, you know what? Like I hate to oversimplify it. The guy just looks like he's rested. Like he, he just has his legs under him as you saw yesterday hitting six threes. Like if there's anybody that just needs some time off to rest a body, it's a veteran like Marcus who's played an insane amount of time this summer. So I think I'm just chalking it up to that guy's. Like I think he's looked great in the in the last two games. Looked amazing yesterday, especially. And I think he's just I think it's just fresh legs personally.
2: How about that running skyhook yesterday? <laughs> I think it was in the first quarter. And I was like, Where where are you going there, Mark? And he like let it go from below his shoulders, I swear, and it was a swish. I, I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan of Marcus Saul. I think he brings so much to this team. And just having him out there is like having another, like, you're having a seven-foot point guard out there. He's just is such a good decision maker. He's so supportive to all his teammates out there, directing traffic at all times. Like, you cannot sort of um, quantify. Like, I mean, he had a great night last night. He had 20 points. He hit six threes. He's not always going to give you that, obviously. But the stuff he does give you on a night-to-night basis is so valuable to a team that's looking to go deep in the playoffs again. Like, I mean, I have a ton of confidence in the Raptors going deep in the playoffs if Marcus Saul is playing like this, like he is right now. Like, I really think that he is an X factor for the team. And I mean, not to mention Norm Powell, who's looked unbelievable. Like, I'm starting to believe in this team. Like, that injury stretch there was tough. And they still kept their head above water. Kyle Lowry in the G League team. And... Now that they're getting everybody back, you're sort of getting reminded of what this team was before everyone got hurt. And, like, man, they they are a legit contender in the East. They really are.
1: Yeah, I think I'm still a little bit stuck on how you know, high, I think their ceiling can be because we have seen them, you know, struggle at times against, you know, better teams. Uh, that Christmas Day game, maybe it's just a one-off. I mean, they looked really bad against the, the Boston well, Celtics. I mean, they had
2: nobody playing in the Christmas Right,
1: game. yeah, but I just mean, like, in general. Like, and then they went down to Boston and beat them the next Friday. Them, yeah, so, they did beat like, them the next Friday. Mm-hmm. So maybe just take that with a grain of salt. But I just I just wonder, like, you know, do they have enough to to beat the Milwaukee Bucks this year? I mean, probably not. I think their ceiling is an Eastern Kawhi. Conference final team. Yeah, I think if they can get into the second round maybe even get to the conference final i think that's a successful season it would have been you know Uh, right where I would have slotted them. Uh, Pascal Siakam, not that he's you know, started to slow down a little bit. I know he's coming back from injury, uh, but his defense has kind of waned a little bit, which hasn't been great. OG Ananobi, who looked like just an absolute uh, lock for, you know, all team, uh, all first team defense at the beginning of the year. He's sort of fallen off when it comes to that. His shot's been, you know, coming and going. Um, You still see flashes, but it hasn't been as consistent as maybe I would have expected at the beginning of the year. Uh, Norm Pauly mentioned has been great. Fred VanVleet coming back tonight is going to be fantastic as well so, so that's going to be basically a full roster yeah so i think ultimately you know we're gonna to have to just watch it over the next couple of weeks to see how things uh go their their schedule is uh pretty favorable i think the rest of the way actually they have like the you know, bottom five or top five, depending on how you want to look at it, easiest competition. They're going to be playing a lot of, you know, bad teams the rest of the way. So their playoff spot is going to be cemented as long as they can stay healthy. Um, It's just going to be interesting to see if you're going to be able to gauge how good this team is when they're not playing, you know, a lot of the best teams around in the NBA over the final, you know, two, three months of the season. Mark, has your views changed at all about where this Raptors team is and and where it can ultimately go?
3: I'd. I'm just super impressed with them. I continue to be impressed with them all all year long. I the one thing that really sticks out to me is just what the approach is going to be at the trade deadline. Like I feel like you're you're playing with house money right now, and it looks like you're going to be at least hosting uh, the first round at home. So I, I you can't be more impressed with this team. And I'm just kind of curious if Masai feels like. And Bobby Webster, if they're feeling like we're playing with house money now and just kind of see how it continues, we've had a great year. Let's see how we do in the playoffs. Or if they actually want to ramp it up and say, like, we're the champs, we're in a we're in a playoff spot easily right now. Let's add some pieces here to see if we can go in another deep run. And I'm honestly fine with it both ways as, as like a Raptors supporter. I think you these guys know the team better than anybody and they had to make some tough moves moving off of a JV for for Gasol and and making some tweaks like that ahead of the playoffs last year and i'm just excited to see which way they go because i think there's i think there's positives to either route so
2: i tend to agree with that and i have i'm kind of caught in the middle too because all the guys that they would potentially be able to deal for more of a premier piece i guess to help them our guys that are contributing to the roster now, like Serge, when everybody got hurt was unbelievable. Yep. He carried them for stretches. He was so good. And then you have like Norm Powell, like when people were talking like, maybe they should trade Norm Powell for like in a JJ Redick package. Like maybe they shouldn't trade Norm Powell because Norm Powell has been bringing a ton to the table. And then you have guys like you look at the, the depth on your team. So are you going to sap your depth with potentially a Terrence Davis in a trade or a Chris Boucher in a trade, or these guys that have really contributed to your depth and make you why you're such sort of a like? There's so many different looks that Nick N- Nurse can throw out there, yeah. and it's like you're a top half of the Eastern Conference team. You could be in the conversation for the two seed. No one's catching Milwaukee, so what are you hoping to get? Like, are you going to really get that much better yeah. by making a huge trade at I, the deadline? I, I, I just don't see the trade.
1: No, I, I think unless you're adding like just a massive, like massive a Bradley impact player. Yeah, 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 I don't think you're pushing your ceiling too much higher um, unless you're adding somebody like that. But uh, so as far as pieces, I'd be willing to give up. Yeah. Like those guys are, are off the table, like a Terrence Davis, yeah. not moving him unless no. it's a, a big piece. Nor Powell's been good, but I'm not moving him for a JJ Redick. Uh, we got to step aside. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk a little NFL playoffs and Chris, Johnston of Sportsnet tweeting out this morning what a few Maple Leafs are going to be doing during their bi-week vacation. A very interesting uh, thing that they're going to be doing in a couple of weeks' time. We'll let you know what that is. It is the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Sam McKee, Mark Boffa with you here on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Subscribe to the Scoreboard Podcast with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: Hot stove, Sportsnet Radio Network, Rob Wong, Sam McKee, Mark Boppa with you here. Final segment of the program before we hand things over to uh, Raj LeJoie, who is in Ancaster, Ontario. Have we confirmed
2: today. that the Raj has touched down?
1: Uh, yes, I believe.
2: Raj has touched down in Ancaster. He
1: has. Uh, his God. producer, Shoali, we uh, talked to him a few minutes ago. He said uh, Raj got there very early this morning. He's all set up. And uh, what a trooper. Legend. After Raj 590 legend uh, heading out in uh, this type of weather today to uh, give you radio goodness over the uh, afternoon. So uh, props to Raj. He's coming up next. So the NFL playoffs will uh, continue tomorrow, of course, with the uh, championship weekend. But uh, before we get to that, got to mention this tweet from our own Chris Johnston of Sportsnet, Net in Canada, talking about a few Maple Leafs players who will not be going to the All-Star game. They got the bye week. The Maple Leafs do, of course, coming up. Uh, CJ tweeting out, How's this for a bi-week vacation plan? William Nielander, Kasperi Kapanen, Jake Muzzin, and Frederick Anderson are playing golf at Augusta. National, and of course, our boy oh. Sam McKee immediately with the low hanging fruit. Oh, I had to go there. The joke about the Maple Leafs just preparing for uh, their April schedule <laughs> once they're done in the playoffs <laughs> and uh, getting ready to uh, play some golf. But uh, that's pretty sweet. Like, out of all the things you can do during a bi week vacation, is this... playing golf at Augusta Nationals would be very high on my list. I oh, I mean, the I would, highest possible. I
2: would do dirty, unforgivable things to play <laughs> golf at Augusta Nationals. But is
1: this the new Kyle Lowry golf gate? Jake Muzzin, your, your foot feeling I a little was, better, yeah, eh, Yeah, I was shocked. I don't think
2: they allow carts at Augusta National yeah. you can walk around.
1: I was very shocked to see his name on the list. Maybe he's caddying. Maybe. Oh, my <laughs> God, Dutchie. Maybe Jake Muzzin's just going for the experience. Can I tell you something? Yeah.
2: I actually feel choked up when I hear this. That's You want to hear peak whiteness? When I hear this, I get choked up. <laughs> Like, this, like, I actually have tears in my eyes. You regardless.
1: know what I think of? I think of uh, Brooks Kepka missing a putt to allow Tiger Woods to win the uh, 2019 Masters. Hello, friends. Tiger, Thanks. going Thanks. for it again. Yep. Let's do it. Back-to-back. Green jackets for Mr. Uh, Tiger Woods. So, the uh, conference championship so will go tomorrow in the National Football League. Up first, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, home to the Tennessee Titans, for a 305 kickoff, followed by the Packers and 49ers. And look, both of these games, I think, are going to be intriguing to, to some level. We're, we're all going to watch. We're football fans. We want to see who advances to the Super Bowl. What else are you going to do on a Sunday, of course? 49ers and Packers. I'm going to watch it, but I frankly don't care. Chiefs and Titans is the That's most intriguing game. game to me because I just want to see if the Titans can actually keep this up. They are scoring rushing touchdowns at an incredibly unsustainable rate. Uh, Derrick Henry, the stuff that he's doing is legendary. But I just can't see it continuing. Like, it's just so above the norm. It's such an outlier uh, streak that he's going on right now. It can't possibly continue. And I think the Chiefs are are just way too good offensively. And I think they're a strong enough defensive team at home that they can, you know, slow uh, Derrick Henry down just a little bit and maybe force Ryan Tannehill to throw. But I think it's going to be the offense. Um, of Patrick Mahomes and company, Mark, that's going to stand out to me the most in this game. Like, I know the Titans have had a pretty good defensive run here. They shut down Lamar Jackson. They are able to, you know, uh, shut down Tom Brady, of course, in the wild card round. But Patrick Mahomes is just on a different level to me. We saw it last week. It only took him one quarter to score 28 points uh, to help his team put 28 points on the board. So uh, this is a guy that very clearly is the best quarterback in the league. I just think this is a different animal in KC against the Chiefs. Like, I, th- I think the Chiefs are going to win this game pretty easily. But I'm just intrigued to see from the Titans standpoint how much they can actually keep this run, this Cinderella run going. He was given
3: a 24-point deficit with three quarters to go, and it got erased just like that. So I'm I'm with you there. I'm not completely discounting the Titans in that I don't think they – I think they do have a chance to win this game. Just You can't count them out based on what they've done so far. They've played well defensively. Derrick Henry has been running over opposing defenses. But like, like you said, Rob, it's a bit of a different animal here. You got uh, last year's MVP surrounded by weapons all around him. And I feel like the Chiefs will win this game. Uh, I think it'll be a tight one. I probably would take uh, the Chiefs to win, and maybe the Titans uh, against the spread on this one. But yeah, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's Casey's to lose. I, I give me the Titans.
2: Oh, I I got a funny feeling, man. There's just certain things in sports, and I don't know. You're saying just, they
1: know the plays. You're they, saying they're uh, yeah. They, they know well, it's. Why
2: do you think they cover <laughs> up their uh, I? Honestly, I just can't bet against Derrick Henry. And I just think they have a great game. Like, they're just going to look at what I um. You look at that game against the Texans. And, I mean, they were up 24-7, but they just stopped playing. And I don't they don't have the threat that the Titans have. The Titans have given up a ton of yards to both the Patriots and the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. But they still find a way to win. I think what's ultimately going to happen, there's only two outcomes here. And I, I heard Bill Simmons talking about this, and I agreed with him, that it's either a Chiefs complete blowout or the Titans win. I, I honestly don't think this is going to be a close game. I just think that don't let the Titans get a lead.
0: Yeah. Don't let them get a well, lead. Because even if they do. No, we saw last week. It's different, though, man. It's different. How is like, it
2: different? Because they can't control the clock like the, the Titans can. The Titans, can, with Derrick Henry, did you see the last game they played, Derrick Henry had 188 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and the Titans won.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. Andy
2: Reid the playoffs.
1: But here's the thing. It's I, Patrick Mahomes, and it takes three, it can take one single play for him to score a touchdown, because he has a guy like Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Like, this is not a team, Patrick Mahomes is not a guy that's afraid of, like, throwing the deep ball and maybe turn it over. He's trying to go out there and score points. So, I like, understand that's, that. He's a different animal. He's a different cat.
2: I just think that they can, they can control the game way better than the than the Texans could. The Texans got a fluke lead and they just started punting and they got conservative and the Chiefs took over. Yeah, I don't this will think it's a look,
0: much slower
2: paced game than the one that Houston played with them.
1: Like, I, I don't think the Texans are, Texans were particularly good. I think the Titans are better than the Texans, but I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, quickly, gentlemen, who you got? Packers, 49ers. Mark? I think the Packers, win it, Sam? 49ers win in a rout. Yeah, I'm with you, 49ers. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your text as well. Roger Lajoie coming up next from hometown hockey in Ancaster. Stay tuned. It's the Sportsnet Radio Network.